0: For those of you who are new, my name is Joel. I'm one of the pastors here at ECC. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you just to open to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Hope you can forgive me. I've been um, without a voice most of this week. So I try to avoid conversations, which is very difficult for a pastor on a Sunday morning to try and save as much as I could uh, to be able to speak this morning, but Excited to be able to continue our series uh, through the book of Ephesians. We're going to be going through the passage of Ephesians 2, 11 to 22. If you want to read that with me this morning, I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. It says this, Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens. It's not usually an insult you hear on the playground, so hold on to that one. You have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of the law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility towards each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. You pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, your word that brings light and instruction to us. And I just pray this morning as we have these minutes together, God, I pray that you would speak clearly. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who is already here, and may you just awaken our hearts to what your spirit is wanting to stay. God, I am at all times an imperfect vessel. This morning in particular, where I'm feeling weak, God, I just pray, may your word be clear. God, and may what you want to do be accomplished in us. So make us aware, make us open, and make us hungry for what you would say to us. Today we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so this morning what I want to do is I just simply want us to work and just verse by verse, section by section work through this little passage of scripture where there's there's so much here. Uh, to encourage and challenge us today. Now, as uh, I read here, the in the New Living Translation, the, verse 11 starts with, don't forget. But if you read through other translations, uh, this verse actually starts with the word, therefore. And this therefore, in the original text, grammatically links... This passage in verse 11 11 to 22 to the previous passage in chapter 2 of Ephesians 2, 1 to 10, where Paul tells his readers that they were all saved, not by their own hand, not by their own ability, not by their own worth, but by God's grace, not by works or qualifications. And so from this, because of God's grace, Paul's instruction So, the Ephesians is this don't forget. Or if you wanted to, you could, instead of taking the negative, you could actually translate that as remember. But he says, don't forget. How many of you have ever forgotten something before? Perhaps right now you realize you forgot a child at home or you forgot the burner on. In my experience, There's usually two reasons people tell you don't forget. The first is because you've forgotten before. Uh, So when we leave my house, when we go for a trip, I can tell you there is a routine. We pack our bags, we file into the car, and then without fail, my wife will give the checklist of the things that I usually forget to remember to check, and then I give her the checklist of things she usually forgets to check. I don't know if you know any of these, like making sure the burner's turned off, or that the door between the house and the garage was locked, or that the hair straightener was unplugged. I'll just leave it to your imagination who that one that is, but but it, usually the, a reason why we say don't forget is because you've done it before. And I, I, we've actually, I have started doing this where uh, my wife told me this trick. Where if it's something that you do repeatedly over and over again, oftentimes those are the things that we can forget. So you actually are supposed to verbally say it, I am now locking the door. So that when we get into the car and we're pulling out the driveway and my wife says, did you lock the door? I don't go, I think I did. But now I can't remember because I've done it so many times. I can't remember if it was that yesterday was that today that I did that. But we are often told, don't forget because we've already forgotten before. The second reason why someone tells you not to forget is because it's something incredibly important. When I leave for a trip, I've never forgotten the passports when we've traveled out our country. But I always get a reminder: don't forget the passports, because it's something incredibly important, because if we got to the airport, got to the plane and didn't have our passport, we would be in trouble. Don't forget. Don't forget. When, for some of you, when you had the opportunity, those of you who have, who have moved into adulthood, when you moved away from home, hopefully if you're in adulthood, you're, if you aren't, you're soon looking at moving out. But you move out and, and there's kind of that encouragement from, from your home, from your parents. I remember when I moved away and moved out of province to go to college, there's kind of that encouragement. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget the lessons that you've been taught, that you've been told. Don't forget. Followers of Jesus, don't forget. You used to be outsiders. Formally, what Paul is saying is, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget what you used to be. Have you ever felt like an outsider? I am a Flames fan who lives in Edmonton, so I regularly know what this feels like. I remember when I was in grade one, and we moved two provinces away, and and being the new kid at school, people already, already had their friendship groups from the year before, feeling like an outsider. Have you ever had an experience in your life where you feel like an outsider? Paul says to these Gentiles, these non-Jews, he says, remember back when you were on the outside looking in. When you were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their own circumcision. Now, for those of you who this is your first Sunday morning, that word right there went, why on earth am I here? But of course, if you, know, if you know the history of the Bible, you know that the Jews in the Old Testament, that they, they invoked circumcision, which was actually, it was meant as a covenant. So a physical, a physical act was meant as a covenant with God to show that God had called them and separated them out from the world. Instead of the rest of the world that served other gods and pagan gods, they were called to separate themselves to only serve God. They were called to be God's people. Even here, Paul challenges them that these Jews, their circumcision was really only of their bodies and not what God had always intended, which was of their hearts, of their souls. God's desire was for them to be transformed from the inside out. That outward physical act was supposed to be symbolic of the internal change and dedication. How many of you this morning know that you can spend an entire lifetime focusing on trying to get the outside right. Doing everything you can to make it look on the outside like everything is perfect. Yet you can still be a complete mess on the inside. Paul goes on to to challenge them that apart from Christ, they were excluded from the covenant, the promise of God to be his. They were on the outside looking in. In a lot of ways, it reminds me, when I was a kid, our family didn't have a lot of money growing up. And so the few times when we would go out to eat, oftentimes it would be after church, and we'd go with another family, or maybe there was a missionary who came and spoke at church, and we'd get to go to a restaurant, and that was a big deal to us. And Back in the day, of course, when you went to a restaurant, a really classy restaurant, you know, where they had, like, an all-you-can-eat kid's buffet, classy places. They would oftentimes have a couple arcade games, you know, the soccer games that they put at the front. There's the claw that no one ever actually wins at. And then you get, like, the, you know, the racing game and some other game that was there. And, like, I loved those, like, mid-'90s arcade games. I dreamed of being able to afford the quarter that you put in to actually play the game. But me and my brother would fight back and forth because they'd always have it on that simulator, that racing game that you'd have with the steering wheel, and it would just go through the simulator over and over again. But we would sit there and pretend like we were actually playing and convinced ourselves that we really were. But we didn't actually, we didn't have the token. We couldn't actually play. We weren't actually controlling what was going on. Apart from Christ, you were excluded from the promises of God. You were outside of his grace, outside of his love, outside of the gift and the good plans he had for you. So followers of Jesus this morning, in your life, it's important today that you don't forget It's important that you remember where you came from. Where did God find you? Not where did you find God? Where did God find you? Where were you? What was the accomplishments you had on your list? What was it about you that was worthy of him? The Bible tells us that when we have an encounter with God and we invite him to live in us, when we surrender our lives to him, it says, Behold, old, the things that were become new. The miraculous is what brought you here. If you are in relationship with Jesus, it actually has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with him. So why is it so important not to forget? Why is it so important to remember this? Why would Paul make this so clear in a letter that's so small? Why would he spend the time to point this out? For some of us, we go, I only want to remember the good things. I don't remember the negative stuff. I'm no longer that, so I don't want to think about it. Why would Paul call us to remember where we were? And when I read online, they said today's message was supposed to be about community. What on earth does this have to do with community? Because remembering, not forgetting, helps us properly place ourselves in God's kingdom. Take two seconds to look at the person to your left this morning. And now take two seconds and look to the person on your right. And if there's no one in the chair next on either one, just look a few chairs down. Those people are both equally loved of God. If they accepted Jesus in their life, both are going to get the same gifts of eternity with him. When we forget where we come from, we can forget who and what has gotten us to where we are at. We begin to believe that we got ourselves here. Don't forget, remember where God has brought you from. Remember that it was God who found you in despair, addiction, lust, selfishness, hopelessness, from the clutches and control of sin. And you go, well, I wasn't that bad. The Bible tells us there are only two masters, God and sin. And before you were his, you were sins. You were living outside of God's covenant without citizenship. You didn't have the right of being a citizen in the kingdom of God. The Roman Empire... Which is where Paul was living at the time. To be a citizen, it was the key that opened the door to life and opportunity. It's what protected you. Citizenship meant everything. Remember where you were before God found you. It's the first thing we want to pull this morning. Let's move to verse 13. The next expression here is, but now. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. See, we need to remember where we came from and remember that but now you have been united. Or it could also mean, united means you've been brought close. You've been brought in. You've been brought near. Remember where you came from and how you were separated from God, but now you have been united. You ever had the experience of going somewhere where you haven't been for a number of years? Oftentimes, maybe it's a place you were when you were a little kid. Even For those of you who are in high school, if, if you lived in a different community or you went to a different school at one point, or maybe it's a family member, uh, a distant relative that you haven't seen since you were a little kid. And when you go to see them, they still see you as that five-year-old boy, that four-year-old girl. I have, I have an uncle that I believe perpetually thinks I'm 11 years old. This iPad's talking to me all of a sudden. I'm just going to turn that off. Siri's having a trouble connecting. Just so everybody knows. Uh, I had an incident when I was 11 years old. I find a lot of my stories really center around food. But when I was 11 years old, I went and visited my, my uncle and aunt who live in Saskatoon, my dad's brother. He was my dad's only brother. We spent a couple days there. My grandpa was there as well. And we went out to uh, an all-you-can-eat restaurant, Foodie Goody. The highest, I mean, just the name alone, the highest quality of food you could imagine. Uh, and I was at the height of my... Uh, my eating capabilities in my life at that point. And they had this tray of old cocktail weenies that were sitting in oil that had sat there for a while, but there wasn't a lot of other foods that were there. So I loaded my plate with about 30 of those bad boys. They were disgusting. But I, at that point in my life, felt like it was a badge of shame if you had a plate that you didn't finish. So I ate all of them. And then on the drive home on the overpass in the highway, I let all of them out on the side of the vehicle. I I am 37, 38 years old. I, to this day, anytime I see my uncle, he tells that story to whoever is present. It's the only thing he says to me. It's the only thing that he remembers. But maybe for some of you, you've gone back home or maybe it's where you grew up or maybe you're from another country and you've gone back and you, have, you, you understand what that is. We aren't called to simply relive the past. When we're instructed, don't forget. It's not simply so that you remember how horrible you are. But it's rather to grasp what God has done. Again, remember where you were and and realize where God has brought you to. 2 Corinthians 5.12 says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and new life has begun. It's important that we remember where we came from so we can so much more celebrate the new person God has made in you. I ask you today, what's a label that some of you still wear because you have not embraced the but now in your life? What's the lie that some of you have bought into because you know where you were and you know where you have struggled and you still believe that your identity is in that, and you have not fully embraced the truth that God has spoken over you and really wants to make real in your life, which is that you are a new creation. The old is gone. Remembering is not reliving. Instead, it's celebrating to go, look what my God has brought me from. But now, through Christ. On the cross. The reason why we take communion, the reason why we make that such an important thing to celebrate and remember is because it's so pivotal, it's so crucial, it is the crux of everything. That you have been made new. Thirdly, this morning, this next passage we see. Paul began to explain that it is Christ, but now, because of the cross, Christ now brings peace. Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Don't buy into the lie that somehow, when you became a Christian... There's no longer hostility, that there's no longer, you don't have the ability to still have anger because that's still there. But Christ, when we release ourselves to him, brings peace. He did this by ending the system of the law with his commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, God recon- or Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility towards each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away. And peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit. Because what Christ has done for us. Christ has brought peace. Or it could be translated, Christ has bought harmony. He made and he created both of these groups and brought them into a new creation of one. Now understand, in history here, we have the Jews that were called as a people to be called out and separated by God. And the Gentiles were anybody who weren't a Jew. Read through the Old Testament and find out how other nations thought about the Jews. Constant wars. Constant wars. You can also read about what the Jews thought about the Gentiles. If I was a Jew and you were a Gentile, I could never have you in my house because just your very presence is unclean. The Jews despise the Gentiles, and the Gentiles despise the Jews. Now, you may have noticed this morning, in our church, we do not have a designated Jew section and Gentile section. It's not often something that we speak about here. I don't know if we even have, do we have anybody here with a Jewish background? By nationality? Jewish? No? Okay. You are all a bunch of Gentile heathens this morning. I just want to make it clear. Now maybe these aren't the ways that we see the church. Maybe this isn't necessarily the divide of how we experience it, but yet we can have this same struggle. In a body this size, in a church this size, we can struggle with the same things they did. We have some of you that have grown up in the church and you learned the right words. You learned the right things to say. Your parents got you to learn memory verses. They taught you how to pray. They did things that they're not bad. But they're not necessarily Christ. They're not indicative of whether you have or have not had a relationship with him. Others of you have come with no church background whatsoever. This is all new to you and you still get freaked out. Why are people standing? Why are we singing? Why is he reading from that? Why do they say weird words like heathen and circumcision? We have a variety of backgrounds and a variety of of different ways of viewing and speaking and talking. But here's, here's an important thing to Remember? The Bible makes it clear that no man, no woman has ever earned their salvation. Not one. Read through that entire Bible of yours and find one person who earned their salvation. And you won't. God has granted it through his grace. It is a gift from him. There is no elite group. Today, we can still create our own elite groups, and we might not call them Jew and Gentile. Because, you see, the Gentiles at the time, the Jews thought they were obviously superior because they were the chosen ones that God had made the covenant with. They had had the history. They had known about God and his teaching for for years and years and years through their family lines. Whereas the Gentiles, they also started to look down on the Jews because these Jews... They had that, but look how lifeless it is. They don't really have a relationship with God, and it's all fresh and new to them. They looked at each other with hostility. There is no elite group. Yet today we can still create our own elite groups in our minds. Maybe it's those who are in leadership. Those are the people that are elite. Or the ones who are most involved in giving to the church or serving in the church. Or maybe it's those who are in our particular denomination and believe the same things that we believe exactly and speak the same way that we do. Who are your elites in your mind? Do they look a certain way or act a certain way? Do they have a certain social standing? Do they handle their money in a particular way and that somehow makes them superior? In the Church of Christ, there isn't a special club or privileges for those who have grown up in church or have been serving Jesus for a long time or a short time. There is only one kind of membership. If you're in, you get all the privileges. If you're not, you get nothing. The only way to get access is to pay the fee. As much as I tried to trick myself, and I would sit there in that seat, literally for 20, 30 minutes, believing that I was steering that car on that video game. The truth is, I didn't pay the fee. And it wasn't real, it was all a mirage. There's a fee that has to be paid. No matter what we look like or what we do, the Bible makes it clear that all of us don't have enough to pay that fee. Not one person. Jesus' death on the cross was the requirement, the payment for me to have access And it's also what's required for you. Have you ever felt unworthy? Like you don't belong. A couple of years into youth pastoring after coming out of college. um, This is probably going to be a surprise for some of you. I like to find bargains and deals. And I... uh, I lived in Calgary. I was youth pastoring around Calgary, and I was always trying to find a deal because I had the dream. I, I We lived in, a, um, the church I was in was in a, in a pretty low-income na- uh, neighborhood area. But I wanted to have the ability to take my youth group to a hockey game. And I know my kids couldn't afford it. A lot of my kids had never been out of their area, their small neighborhoods of the city. They they lived really small lives, and they could never afford to do that. So I was constantly phoning uh, the, the company that owns both the Hitman and the Flames in Calgary, trying to get deals. And I've, I got a call the one day saying that they were doing a special ticket event. And because I phoned them so much, somehow my name had gotten on for this. So I, I, they said they had a free lunch with it, which is like sweet, free lunch. And I took my brother with me, both of us in sweatpants and shirts, T-shirts, and showed up for this thing. It was about 40 people in the room. Every other person there either was the leader of a large law firm or were the heads of oil companies. So when they were talking about tickets, I was like trying to find like a hundred tickets. They were buying like 5,000 tickets. There was, a, there was a man across the row from me. It was a grandfather who wore his overcoat over his shoulders, which right away I was like, this guy's a big deal. You don't even put your arms in your sleeves. You're a big deal. And he had his grandson with him. And if you've ever watched the original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, if you know Gustav, the little boy that, like, gets stuck in the chocolate fountain, this was Gustav, was there at the table. And I have never felt, it took about three minutes. Well, first of all, it should have been thrown off. As on the menu, it said bisque. I had to ask someone what that was. Which, in case you don't know, it's just soup. It's just soup. But they'll say bisque because it sounds fancier. But I've never felt so awkward as it was really, really clear there's two mutts that somehow got into this formal thing because they're trying to get these big companies to come in. And the sales guy who was at our table, he took a minute and a half of asking me questions. He didn't look at me the rest of the hour. They were selling hard on everybody else, but he knew there was nothing coming from me. But I don't know if you've ever been in that place. If you've been in life where you feel like you don't belong, like you are unworthy. Here's the hints I'm going to give you. If you come to church, if you maybe this is your first Sunday or maybe you've been coming for a while here. And maybe you look around, maybe you come in for a long time and you look around and you go, look at all these people that got their lives together. Like I'm here, but I don't feel like I should be here because they seem to get They've got it together. They've got their kids. They've got their family. They, they seem to do the right things. They're involved. They give to the needy. Here's the reality. All of us are unequally unworthy. All of us are messed up. That's why Paul says, remember what you came from. All of us have come to Christ a complete mess and unworthy of his love. But Jesus welcomes us in. And here's the radical idea of the church. All of us are unworthy, yet all of us are welcome. I'm going to say that again, because like this really is mind-boggling. All of us are unworthy of even being in the chair as we are this morning. Yet all of us are equally welcomed. Jesus offers salvation to us. Forgiveness of sin, and that forgiveness is instant when we make that decision to invite Christ in our lives. Salvation. It's the word, but there's the theological term sanctification. And that's the process of through our lives becoming more and more like Jesus. Some of us are further along in our journey with Jesus. For some of us, further along maybe for you just means you've had more time. Perhaps you've made the same mistakes as some of the Jews did the circuses and other flesh, and maybe you've been a part of church culture where you've learned how to talk and how to attend on Sundays and do the right good things. But Jesus has not come in and actually captured your heart and changed and transformed you. Here, there's others, you have been on a journey for a long time with Christ, and you're further along that road of sanctification, of Jesus changing you to be more like him. Walking with him. yet As Paul makes it clear here, for those who are further along, that's not a superiority. Again, don't forget. You didn't get yourself there. There's no hierarchy here. We all relied on someone else to pay the fee to get us in. And so as Paul states here, that means that through Christ, hostility. The hostility between us and God. But also the hostility between each other is put to death. That means the competitiveness, the one-upping, the territorialism that defines our culture really should not define the church. That means as, as passionate as some of you feel about your political allegiances and parties should not even come close to being as important as Christ. And if you find it easier to relate to someone because they have the same political view that, as you do... Compared to those who have the same belief, foundational truth, and relationship with Jesus, you're off. Something's taken your heart. It's not Christ. Christ brings peace by saying, I've got the bill for all of these people. I'm paying. Now come and get to know me. It becomes about what he wants and not what I want. We are called to be part of one body. With that, our final point this morning, so now, you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens with all of God's holy people. So now, accordingly, because of what Christ has done, you are no longer those without citizenship in God's kingdom. You are now citizens You get all the rights that come with that. And not only that, God calls you family. Then Paul goes on to explain that we are his, meaning God's house, his temple, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, instructed and taught by God's word, the Bible. It says, with Jesus as the cornerstone of the house. Now, those of you who know more about construction than me, which would be 99% of the people here this morning, we know like the cornerstone is the first set stone in construction. All other stones will be set in reference to this. Thus, thus determining the position of the entire structure. Jesus becomes in our lives the reference point for how we speak, for how we serve, for how we worship, how we relate to others, and how we live. Through Jesus, we are joined together like living stones made into a temple. Those who did the series back in the fall, as we went through the entirety of the Bible, you remember as we talked about the temple that housed the very presence of God. That when we get together, we house the presence of God together with us. That's why when we pray here on a Sunday morning, we don't ask God to come because he's already here. We ask God, make me aware of your presence that's here with us. This is the church. Not an already perfect people, but people who don't forget. A group of people from varied pasts, good and bad, all equally sinners, unworthy of God's blessing and His grace, once outside of the kingdom of God, distant and separated from Him. But now, through Christ's work on the cross, brought close. And now through receiving Christ and receiving his peace, we have peace in our relationship with God. And we have peace or true community and relationship with those around us. Those who are actually different from us. Who may be ones that even at one point we would call enemies. Maybe even people now that the world would say are your enemy. To be lovingly brought together with those who we even still continue to disagree on many things with. But have unity in Christ that trumps it all. So that now he can unite us together. Making us a living temple where his presence dwells. Because God's presence is here when we meet together. Matthew eighteen twenty, For where two or three are gathered together as my followers, I am there among them. Think about that. God has chosen a random groups of misfits like you and me. And has extended us grace and forgiveness to gain citizenship. But not only that, he brings us together. Calls us together to be a people that actually house the presence of God. So as we close today, I want to challenge and encourage you. First, don't forget where you came from. What God has or will bring you out of. Because for some this morning, perhaps you have yet to make that decision of saying, God, I want to surrender my life to you. Jesus, come live in me. God wants to bring you out of the bondage, the things in life that have robbed you and enslaved you. Remember where you have come from. Don't be so prideful in yourself. Remember what God has saved you from, because that's how we keep that attitude of thankfulness and gratefulness. But with that, let's not just live there. But now remember that he offers forgiveness and freedom through the cross. And with that, he has brought peace. No longer wants us broken into our tribes. Do you experience peace with God? Do you experience peace with his church? Do you still in your life have a tiered system of those who are more worthy and less? Of those who are more valued of God and less valued of God? Finally, so that now we've been invited together to house God's presence. And this means, according to God, there is nothing, nothing more important. Nothing that he appreciates and wants more than for us to obviously be unified with him, but to be unified with each other. It's why in Scripture, He talks about later in the Gospels of the prioritizing of gathering with the body. With that, remember, and don't forget, God allowed you in with all of your junk. God didn't ask you to get your life all in order, and then he would forgive you. He forgave you when your life was a mess. And it means he allows others to, too. It's why the church, the church of Christ, when we're talking about the actual church, capital C, the kingdom of God is perfect because God makes it. He's the head. But when we talk about the church that we have gathered together here today, the reality is we have a lot of junk here. Can we, can we take off the facade? We have a lot of junk. And it's because God has allowed all of us to bring it in. That's not a reflection of God's failure. It's a reflection of God's grace that he allowed us to bring all of our stuff in and said, we'll work on this as we move forward. Just come. Let's be careful not to make conditions that God never made to be a part of the church. He says, come to anyone who will hear, who will listen, and who will follow. What matters isn't Christ. I'm just going to invite you if you want to stand with me and I'm going to close in prayer this morning. I'm going to pray two things, and two challenges. And one is for those who perhaps you're here today and you have yet to make that decision. God invites you today. Maybe you've bought into the lie that you are not worthy to be in his church. Let me encourage you. There are hundreds of people here today that can testify to the reality that God welcomes us with our junk. And he works with us on the road there. Today he wants to come in you and he wants to bring release and freedom into your life. And I want to pray for you today if you want to make that decision. But I'm also going to pray this morning, and I want to pray for those of you who maybe this morning it was a good reminder for us. A good reminder that we need to remember where God has brought us from, to remember that we're not called to simply live there. And the reality that we are called to live in an imperfect world We're called to be a part of a church that has a lot of flaws, but yet God has chosen his presence to be here. He just wants us to be unified together. So maybe some of your own systems, maybe some of your own things that you've put as conditions that you think are qualifiers that you've added onto God's qualification don't matter. And we need to release that and ask for forgiveness for that today, too. So let's pray. This morning, God, I just thank you for your word. And I pray that uh, what you wanted to say this morning was able just to be heard by hearts. And the stuff that's just me, that it really can be forgotten right as of now. But I pray, first of all, if there's someone here today that has never actually received and taken on that free gift that you give, because they, they have bought into that lie that they are unworthy, that they are an outsider, they've actually worn that badge. But God, they know that in themselves, their, their life is not complete, that they are in need of something more. God, you said that you came to give life and life to the full. So I pray right now, as, as I pray these words, they can pray them in their heart. And just invite and receive you today, Jesus. And that is, dear Lord, thank you, Jesus, for loving me, for reaching out to me, even in my mess. Forgive me for the things that I've done that are wrong, whether I knew it or not. Please come live in me. Please help me not to live the old way anymore. But now, make my life new. Fill me with you, your life, your joy, what you want. Help me to serve you, I pray in Jesus' name. And for those of us, God, this morning that we have we have known, we've been in church and we've, we've made that decision, but God, we have made other qualifiers or perhaps we've just let our guard down and we've, we've allowed pride to instill in us a little bit. Perhaps we've taken such a casual approach to what church is that we've bought, we focused on the flaws of the people around us rather than focusing on the true nature of the cause, the true nature of what your church is and how we're called to it. We want to take a moment again to thank you. Thanks God for inviting me with all my imperfections to be a part of this and help me not to focus on the imperfections of people or the things I think are wrong, but to see them how you do and to realize that you've called us uniquely to run together, to be united together, and to house your presence when we are together. So God, I just pray this now and ask for you just to, to do what you are wanting to do in each heart life. And thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.